Uh, sure. Can I say the f- word? Okay, well, we're live now, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice cold open. Okay, here we go. Once everyone shuts up. Chicken Diesel. Chicken Diesel. Welcome into Triple OT. I am Scott Chasen, joined today across state lines by Evan Riggs, Mike Makey. We have a guest. We'll get to that into it in a second. But first, uh, I'm, of course, in Chicago. Evan, of course, in Iowa. And Mike is in a state of denial. How's it going, guys? <laughs> it's, it's going really well, Scott. And I'm also in Chicago, also in denial with Scott, though. So, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll meet up and talk about how well the Bulls did in that trade and have a good laugh over it. Yeah, Evan, Evan, as we see, Mike spin, spin his, like, little fidget spinner, maybe to yeah. get his mind off this horrible, horrible trade. Uh, how, how's it going in Iowa, Evan? How's, uh, how's the job? Oh, it's fantastic. And and the Thunder are actually doing things, which I did not expect at all. So, you know, that, that definitely in a pretty great mood as far as NBA things are concerned, at least until the Warriors, you know, prove they're amazing yet again. Yeah, uh, Mike, uh, I'm just curious. It doesn't seem like the Bulls have much of a hashtag the timeline now. Uh, do you see that as a potential problem moving forward? No, no. It's it's a quick rebuild. Uh, I think our ceiling is probably the two seed and put up a seven-game fight with the Cavaliers in the ECF. But, you know, <laughs> I've always been optimistic. I'm kidding, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all pretty there. Okay, and, uh, and joining us for the first time, I think, I'm not sure if he's ever been on, is Harrison Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll, of Locked On Lakers, of Twitter, of the internet, of Cal State Fullerton, and any number of things, uh, writing about 61-year-old men who are trying to play in the summer league. (laughs) Harrison, it is your Triple OT debut. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm I'm a longtime fan of the show. I'm happy to be on. I'm used to just like kind of listening to you guys argue and uh, and you know trash Mike about the Bulls and it's nice <laughs> to be here live and get to, get to be a part of it in person. Yeah, that was I think... a horrible trade, by the way. They got fleeced. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We're we're gonna talk about this because Mike, we Evan and I were talking yesterday. Mike has this tendency whenever there's like a really horrible trade to take the side of the other team. So no. like the Demarcus Cousins trade, he was like, "It's not that bad a trade, guys." I think Buddy Heald's a star. No, well, okay. I think in retrospect, it doesn't look that bad because nobody's getting anything for their stars. I guess, like, That's I, true. Guess, I guess the star, like the new NBA stars, aren't worth that much. I guess. It is. All right. Oh, oh, we're really quick though before <laughs> before Scott just classically just and mentions it and then runs. I did not say it was a. I said it wasn't as bad as you guys were saying because you guys were saying it was like worse than Al Qaeda. So like. I, <laughs> like, like at that level but i mean yeah, they, so. the pick was top three protected that's pretty bad buddy for prez dude just wait okay but, buddy healed and market and first team all nba at least the kings didn't give up didn't didn't give up a pick while still sending the oh man i mean basically buddy uh, uh jimmy butler turned into zach levine in a pick swap that's lovely that is very lovely dude chris donation and we just resigned jerry and grant so everything's okay <laughs> Campaign the market yeah. on bad point guards. Yep, campaign still on the roster. Yeah, if the Thunder and the uh, Bulls merged rosters, you would have like twenty-five point guards who aren't good enough to be backups. Pretty pretty <laughs> devastated over here still though because releasing Isaiah Cannon, you know, it's tough to watch him leave. Hey man, I watched I watched the Maj airball like three times in summer league yesterday. <laughs> oh, man, I can't believe the the summer league has already started. That was like a shock to me when I saw It's the that. summer, Scott. We're out of school. Yeah, but well, the good summer league hasn't started yet. But 
like the draft was like what five days ago, six, seven days ago. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, it's funny, Scott, you say that. I, I was listening to Fred Katz, the, the night of the Paul George trade, and what, one of the first things that he brought up is, well, I guess Sabonis isn't playing for the Thunder in Summer League anymore. It really, really hurts the squad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> have you guys seen who the favorites are? Raise your hand if your team is the favorite to win Summer League. No, Mike, it's not the Bulls. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, you're going to have to take the title away from us. Denzel <laughs> Valentine just, you know, that's the closest thing to a championship I've seen in my whole life. Harrison, we can't see you. Were you raising your hand too? Yes, I was. The Lakers are uh, <laughs> our co-favorites to win the Summer League Championship. The championship drought is over. The rebuild is over. LeVar Ball spoke it into existence. They are back in championship contention. Lonzo did it. He didn't specify regular season. You can't prove that I'm wrong. Yeah, and doesn't every team make the Summer League playoffs? So there you go. There's your spin zone. We should do that yeah, for the regular they already, they already made it. They have already clinched a Summer League playoff spot. <laughs> Things are just going great for the Lakers, too. I mean, they had a meeting with uh, point guard of the future, Rajon Rondo, the other day, I believe. <laughs> I'm excited for that three-year, $51 million deal. bobblehead's worthless now, dude, I swear. Is that Wait, what is that? It's a Rajon Rondo bobblehead. What? Why? I got it for, because, Why because, does that exist? I know. It was actually hilarious. So, like, back in December when Rondo was like, I hated here, f***ing everyone and everything. Uh, like, the night after that, I went to the game and it was Rajon Rondo bobblehead night, which was just hysterical. <laughs> Wait, so I think I remember that. he was benched for? Wasn't he benched for that game? He was benched to, well, he was benched to protect himself. Hoiberg was saving him from himself because, I mean, you know, <laughs> happens. Happens. <laughs> You know, as does happen with your point guard of the of the future. Saving his future contract value from right. him playing horribly. Yeah. Well, excited for him to end up on the Lakers. We have a ton of stuff to get to today. It's been free agency. We've had the draft. We haven't podcasted basically since uh, I think maybe the Western Conference Finals or maybe even before that. So uh, let's let's just kick it off with free agency. I think we were talking about a bit before while we waited for Mike to get online. Uh, the biggest acquisition was made by the Rockets. They uh, acquired P.J. Tucker. Uh, guys, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Who's first? Former son, eight-time summer leaguer, P.J. Tucker, I should say. Are, are we getting into Rockets talk right now? Yeah, let's let's talk Chris Paul. Let's talk that trade. What, what were your guys' impressions when you saw it? Because my first Hated thought it. was – I. Okay, Mike, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean – all right, so that was just kind of a joke because you guys always disagree with me about literally every trade. Where, where's my fidget spinner? Oh, my God. Oh, here we go. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just don't think it makes, like, as much sense as other trades would. I think that they could still obviously be successful. But the thing that I've always said is that Harden just generates so much of his offense from, you know, being really ball dominant on the perimeter. And I know Evan m mentioned that he, of course, played off ball with, with uh, Russ back in Oklahoma City. But I think he's just, like, a totally different player now. Like he's always been a good scorer, but I, I think that he relies a lot more on having the ball in his hand and like running the offense himself. And I think that it's a, too much of a similarity with Chris Paul to where maybe they won't feed off each other as well as people think. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you saw with the way the Rockets season ended, it pretty much ended with Harden jacking up contested three-pointers, not not having the energy to drive the ball because he'd been doing it all all season. And, and he's the one that wanted Chris Paul. I mean, you know, these these guys were the ones orchestrating this behind the scenes. So, uh, I mean, I, th I think Harden's going to be willing to relinquish some of that control and, and let Chris Paul not not dominate the ball. But I, I think both guys are going to going to do well together. And, and it's great when you can have you know probably the two best pick and roll guys in the league. You can always have one of them on the court under Mike D'Antoni. I mean, I I take that any day of the week. 
Well, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't I don't mean it like that their personalities won't gel. I don't think that they would have that they would be malicious in any sense, but I just think that their styles aren't as and I'm not even saying bad, but like as good as Chris Paul could have been in <clears throat> San Antonio. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, whatever. It's not it's not the worst place in the world. But like I said, and it's weird that I think the Spurs should have, you know, get some help. But I, I think that uh, it would just work so much better in San Antonio, really. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that I'm kind of curious about is if Chris Paul's game changes at all because he's obviously such like a mid-range assassin and that's been like the one thing Houston doesn't do. But at the same time, I kind of like the fit. I kind of like the idea that, you know, you can run kind of pick and roll action on one side, try and basically space the floor and then send it to the other side and, you know, flip it, try the reverse thing, see what opens up on the floor. Uh, Hopefully it's going to to McCollum and Lillard, really. Yeah. It, it, yeah, but that's not going to put them over the hump, though. Like, well, but like, what else, uh, Harrison? I'm not sure. I'm not sure anything does. Harrison, we'll, we'll go to you on this. What else could the Rockets have done to get better than this move makes them, if there's anything? See, I don't really know. I don't know that because I don't know if they could have traded for another player that's as good as Chris Paul, and I don't know if they could have freed up the cap space to sign another player as good as Chris Paul. So I, I do think that they took their best shot. I'm just not sure how good the fit is going to be just because D'Antoni teams traditionally like to play really, really fast. And it's like the reason their points per game numbers on defense are bad and why idiots think that they, uh, that he's just a bad defensive coach purely. And I think that Chris Paul has never wanted to play like that. I saw something like the highest one of his teams had ever ranked was like eighth or something in pace. And the rest of the time they've been like bottom half of the league. And uh, he's just such a control freak and justifiably so because he's been really good and all but always wants to play in the half court, kind of play a little bit more bogged down offense. I don't know that he's going to embrace the D'Antoni style. I could definitely see there being clash there. Retweet, retweet. I also like that because Harrison has also had a team with Mike D'Antoni as a coach that um, we both have the same defense of him and his defensive coaching. I think he's very underrated. Like he makes players that buy in um, almost always get better. It's just the mm-hmm. players that don't want to play fast, that don't want to play his style, that don't really get better under him. So well, we're I talking- don't know if he's a good defensive coach really quick, not to cut you well, off. He's not, he's not a good defensive coach. <laughs> well, no, because no yeah, I'm not saying he's good. I'm just not yeah. saying he's as bad as his reputation. He's, oh, right. But I mean, when you knowingly take a style that you're saying you're comfortable to sacrifice defense. So like, I agree that idiots think that he doesn't know how to do defense. I just think he's knowingly like going away from, you know, importance on it. Well, I'm, I'm not sure it's so much defense as it is even like pace. Cause like the, the sun's field goal percentage defense, if you care about that all that much, um, it, it was always like league average. So it wasn't like, <laughs> that wasn't meant to be a joke. I was just saying, well, it was funny. Yeah. Well, there are other ways to do it, but. I think their defensive rating was usually league average as well. Yeah. So where where do we think the Rockets will rank in the league? We were talking about this a little bit before. I think they could be as high as second, but honestly, I, I think they're slotted in. We're, they were the three seed, I think, last year. I see them being a three again. Evan? Gosh, I don't know. It's just going to be so tough to to parse out two through four. Oh, um, Evan. <laughs> I knew that was going to oh, happen. Oh, yeah, like right behind. Oh, my God. That's – Sorry, I totally interrupted you. Yeah, oh, just meowing. Oh, is that going to be? Is gonna gonna, that. Is, are you going to pick it up on the podcast? Yeah, we are. There Probably. was a cat behind Evan. If you were wondering what. Yeah. If you were wondering why Mike just started yelling. I just think two through four is just such a crapshoot at this point. I, I I could really see that order going anyway. If if I had to guess, I would probably put the Rockets three. Probably. Yeah. 
I, I don't know, though, guy. It, it, it's tough, really. I, I want to see what the Spurs do, too, because assuming, like, if they don't make a move, I we've said this every year for the last billion years, but, I mean, how much longer are they going to be a top three seed in the West? Eventually, Forever. it's going to catch up with them. No way. <laughs> Tony Parker is going to have an MVP caliber year. Just watch. No, but any, but back to the Rockets, I don't know how this would work because I haven't really, like, I don't know their contracts off the top of my head, but if they could somehow get, like, just get, like, an Anthony Davis or something, you know? Then, then maybe I'll put them over the Spurs. <laughs> but, no, but in all seriousness, I could see them actually being like a two because they're they're still like really impressive, and I think they'll be regular season warriors and just a, a tough a tough matchup. You know, when the game is not slowed down like it is in the playoffs, they are going to be tough to keep up with, especially like on a back to back. If you're going into Houston, I bet those numbers are going to be pretty bad for visiting teams. I think yeah. too. Whichever, if I, I really wanted Andre Iguodala to get pried away from the Warriors because if he had gone to a team like a Houston or a San Antonio, I'm not saying I would have picked them over the Warriors, but like honestly, I, I, I think they're the right now. It seems more likely than not the Warriors win the championship, and if that had happened, I would say it'd be the opposite. It would be more likely than not the Warriors don't win the championship. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. At least the West is kind of loaded up here, and they're going to have two two pretty difficult rounds. They probably will lose a couple They might of lose games. two games this year in the playoffs, actually. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then they won't have to face another super team like the Knicks until the finals either. Yeah, so. right. Okay. <laughs> Derek Rhodes doesn't have a landing spot yet, so we don't know who the next super team is. Oh, he's not in Minnesota yet? We'll take him. Yeah, no, maybe. Hey, maybe this is to the Spurs. He's going to give him a dose of athleticism. Oh, oh my God, that would be so funny. What <laughs> would Derrick Rose be good on the Spurs? No, dude. No, he'd be like the one player. Uh, I don't know. Everybody's good. good on everybody, but Richard Jefferson is yeah. good on the Spurs. Yeah, so. some, somehow Popovich would figure it out. Derrick Rose averages like twenty-eight points a game, and everyone's and he's just like, <laughs> guys, this is a former MVP. What have you been doing with him? Watching Who's him the- get hurt and destroy my team and put us back ten years. Derrick Rose, <laughs> if you think about it, has had like the worst coaches for him ever right like he's had Thibodeau who ran him into the ground until he got injured I'm not really blaming him but he was in a 10-point game with one minute left when he got injured the first time um then he had I mean this last year he's been in New York which is like the most toxic atmosphere in the history of the world did he ever have Hoiberg in Chicago oh yeah one year yeah so there so he was go. lucky enough to experience the uh, encounter the Fred Hoiberg experience so that, that helped him out so I'm not saying I think he'd be a star in San Antonio but That'd be interesting. I'd like to see him with it, like like a really. I don't, really I don't think coach. he'd get. I don't think he'd work well there, honestly. I, and and I, I don't hate D Rose by any stretch, but I just can't imagine him, you know, totally buying into the whole Spurs way. You know, well, there, there was actually talk uh, of that uh, of Spurs interest before free agency, but now mm-hmm. they they've got Mills back on four years for what fifty million. 50. So I I don't think that's gonna. I mean, they'd have to they'd have to move on from Parker. Or are they moving Parker for Derrick Rose? No. I think it was I, I mean funny. I would. Well, I mean I, I would, but you you think they're move, you know, you think the Spurs are <laughs> are, are going to move Tony Parker, the guy that's done so much to their franchise. What has he ever done for those? Well, I don't I know. Think, they move they move George Hill for Kawhi Leonard who nobody knew who like nobody knew who Kawhi was at the time. Obviously that move worked out, but George Hill was like a fan favorite. He was one of Pop's favorites. Like I don't know that they get that emotional. Like they get emotionally attached. They're obviously close, but I think that they can detach that when they're making a move. I, I still don't think he's going to the 
Spurs, but I just like I want to imagine Popovich's reaction if Derrick Rose just like didn't show up for a game one time, <laughs> and how different that would be from how the Knicks handled it. Oh, that yeah. would be hilarious. Just imagine the gif of Pop running, but a mad face instead of a. <laughs> yeah, the 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 next day it would be Derrick Rose got a DNP murdered. <laughs> Do you, any of you guys listen to the Dunked On podcast, Nate Duncan and Daniel LaRue? Uh-huh, yeah. So they do their kind of like mock free agency, and they had a conversation about the Spurs. And like the, I think it was Nate Duncan who was playing like he – one of them pretends to be the player agent. One of them pretends to be like 10 teams, and they kind of – you know, they mix it up and simulate basically the whole offseason. And it was really interesting, like the amount of moves they could make if they were willing to, you know, trade a LaMarcus Aldridge or let a Tony Parker go. But it's a, those don't seem like Spursian moves. You mentioned kind of George Hill, but I, yeah, it would be they, it's crazy. It's also just tough to trade Lamarcus yeah. too. Well, it, it would be crazy though to think of like I mean Tony Parker would retire right if the Spurs got rid of him. I couldn't imagine him coming back in another jersey. Go yeah, be player owner for his team in France. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually that's actually that might happen. <laughs> There's like a thirty percent chance that's going to happen in like the next three years. Now I like that. Can we get can we get odds on that? Oh yeah, you can. <laughs> you can get odds on anything somewhere. I'm going to Vegas for summer league in a week. I'll, I'll check on to Tony Vegas, Parker player owner odds. Harrison, you're already too late. Mike has already put down like six thousand dollars on Tony Parker being a player owner by the end of next week. <laughs> really getting torched in free agency. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to another move. Uh, let's let's talk about Blake Griffin, and l- let's talk about the Clippers basically as a whole since we talked a little Chris Paul. He's staying in Los Angeles. I, I kind of get what they're trying to build around, but this to me feels like a team, especially in the way the West is now, that has a very low ceiling and kind of like yeah. a, a decent floor. I don't get it unless they're going to make another move. Um, Mike, what do you what do you think of the Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Patrick Beverly big three? I think they need to pick a pick a lane, you know, like either either rebuild or or don't. And they they've always been kind of the team, like even with Chris Paul, who was I'd say obviously the most important piece of that team. Not really a hot take there, but uh, he, like now that he's gone, they have they should have absolutely zero expectations really to succeed. And so it's tough to swallow a rebuild, and that's why I'm in like constant denial, like as a Bulls fan. But you, but you have to, you can't like tread water. You have to. I, I'm a believer that you have to really kind of suck before you get better. And some teams are good at it by sucking for a much less period of time and rebuilding really quickly. But when you get, and and, and by the way, I think it was cool that Chris Paul tried to help them with the rebuild by you know, like getting some stuff back for him because he wasn't going to stay there from free agency. But you really need to pick your direction. And right now, I think that they're just going to perpetuate a cycle of mediocrity. Holy shit, that's a lot of syllables. But uh, I, I think that they really need to just find, figure out their identity because right now they, they're like fringe playoff, average draft pick, you know, n- not a lot going on and a lot of confusion throughout probably. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of when the Mavericks were going to get DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. And you were yeah. looking at that and you were saying like, yeah, I could see that being like maybe a five seed, maybe or a like six a 12. Seed. Yeah. But like, what's what what's the end game? The West is amazing right, right now. I, I I don't think the Clippers have a shot at winning a playoff series. And don't build around Blake right now. I think Blake is a, a very very helpful asset for a, a championship ready team. But he you don't build around Blake Griffin. He's not going to be the guy. Uh, I think this is just the Clippers <clears throat> trying the trying as best they can to stay relevant yeah. in Los Angeles, and especially they've got the the new arena coming up here in what like a year, two years, two years from now, something like that. I don't know. I don't know if you guys read the the Bill Simmons memo 
to to Steve Ball. Yes, I did. Uh, on the ringer, I, I know part of it was supposed to be joking, but honestly, he he made a ton of great points, and I I agree with a lot of what he said. I think the Clippers honestly should just blow it up, which will have started with letting Blake go. You can flip DeAndre for something good. You can flip, you know, even in Beverly. Beverly's contract is so great. You can flip him. You can flip Lou Williams. They still might flip Blake, by the way. I, I, I yeah, mean, that's what I was going to say. I, I don't think that this contract – I think it's far from, oh, he's here for the next few years. I, I think that if, someone if very well could take there's this There's no contract. trade clause? There's not a no trade clause, right? I don't, right. I don't think so. No, that would be really surprising. I, I wanted Blake Griffin to, to – I – so I go back and forth with the Celtics. I kind of wanted them to build like a super team just because it would have been more fun. But They're so I kinda, dumb. I kind of like the idea of him going to, to even like a Phoenix would have been cool. He mentioned that, and that was one of the teams he was going to meet with. Um, would he fit with the timeline, though? Hashtag yeah, no the timeline. No well, he's, he's only 28, but I think the, the reasoning was two years from now, Bledsoe's contract is up. So they're kind of at a point where they either have to move Bledsoe pretty quick here because they don't want to get stuck with nothing for a guy who's like a 25-5 and five type point guard who can play good defense. They don't want to get nothing for that. But, you know, two years from now, Devin Booker will be 22. Here it is, first time. <laughs> Josh Jackson will be 22. Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender will have a couple more years. So I think that's when you would start to see, like, are these young guys actually good or – no like is this we need to add a couple more players or something like that so I think in that regard he fit the timeline but a guy like Paul Millsap who is four years younger than the team's general manager uh I was very much against that move so that's kind of how I felt about that any anyone else have a place they would have rather seen Blake Griffin go well wait can I jump in really quickly on the Josh Jackson thing and just commend you for your Twitter excellence (laughs) and you 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 convinced the Sixers that if you were like trolling them about every single pick that was available where they were picking, that they're like, oh man, this is a really bad draft. We better trade up and get Fultz. So that were, yeah. and you knew Danny Ainge would take a bust. And yeah, I, so I it said all that. worked out for you. I did. Did you, Mike, did you see that? What's up? So every night at midnight, I tweeted the Philadelphia 76ers about who they should draft. Okay, um, that's hilarious. Not Josh Jackson, though. A big so, man? Yeah, a lot of those. I said, I think I said that for, uh, oh, what was the big man from Duke who's perpetually injured? Okay. Uh, okay. No, 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 the, the draft. Oh, oh Harry God. Giles. Harry, Harry Giles. Giles. I was like, I don't, I was going to tweet you guys about Harry Giles, but I don't think you need any encouraging to take an injured big man. Like <laughs> yeah, so, let the Sixers be, dude. You know how, you know how shitty that probably is for them? Uh, actually, I guess you do. You're, in, you're a fan of like the Sixers in the, of the West. So, yeah, hashtag but. the timeline. It's better. <laughs> I think the Suns are actually going to be kind of on a tangent, but I think they're going to be like a top five like league pass watch for me. I'm very, very interested to see how they come together. Well, we're playing Dragon Bender at the one in summer league, so get ready for that. Our seven foot one point guard, who should be a power forward. They Magic played center, or <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Know. Dragon Bender or Magic Johnson, basically the same thing. So yeah, they both have sick names. The only reason they're not the same is because Dragon Bender's from Europe. That's the only reason you don't hear that comparison. Well, yeah, I don't, I I don't see true. nationality. <laughs> <laughs> just, just real quick on Blake, I would have liked to see him go to Mi- go to Miami yeah. and maybe Gordon Hayward too, just because. No way, got, no way. You've got you've got Pat Riley, you've got Pat Riley feuding with the two Giants and the Eastern Conference and Danny Age and LeBron James. That would have just added some intrigue in the Eastern Conference because right now there's none and. Also, for the love of God, get some of these all-stars out of the West, please. 
That's that's actually a really good point. I think what thirteen of the top fourteen players on the ESPN NBA rank last year play in the West right now, and the one who doesn't is Kyrie Irving. I think there are. (laughs) No, it's not Kobe. (laughs) Kobe. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, is Kyrie Irving even a top fifteen player in the NBA? Yeah. I, I don't think he is. It's debatable, but I think Giannis probably is. So there's. Another. Oh my god, that's a good point. No, no I think you can't, you, yeah, you can't say Giannis is better than Kyrie after the finals two years ago, dude. I'll never, you'll never forget that. In I a think, clutch I think moment, Giannis is better than Kyrie. Oh my god, I mean, I think he can be better, but right now, I think it's insane to say that he's better. Like, just I, look at like look at who really has shined in clutch situations, like the clutchest of stages. Well, I mean, Giannis is Giannis hasn't even been in those situations though. Exactly. That's why like you can eventually say that. Well, you can accomplish more without being a better player than somebody. Well, and also why you know when Kyrie was the solo man on his team, I mean, what they do win twenty three games and get a number one pick again. Oh yeah, well there's yeah, but I mean, that's not players totally like Antoine James. Byron Scott was coaching him. <laughs> well, true <laughs> about Byron, and and also of course I just think I I don't know I wouldn't I wouldn't look at team success or or clutch or anything i think Giannis just the versatility and yeah but when you're I, a I direct know, how much when you're a direct contributor to the ultimate like goal and success in oracle arena like you've done more than Giannis, and i think i think it's kind of insane to even like compare them at this point wow all right well uh i think that you've be- always been one for the insanity though there you go i think well speaking of which this is actually a good time to get to our next topic of danny ainge uh, and yeah, the Boston yeah. Celtics. So uh as was reported by every boston reporter and anyone danny ainge was able to text uh Celtics were this close to getting Paul George, guys, and this close to getting Jimmy Butler. And Christoph Porzingis was right on the line, and they almost got Chris Paul, actually, and LeBron was thinking about Boston. Uh, They almost got a meeting with Kawhi Leonard. They were about to trade and draft Rudy Gobert. Gordon Hayward uh, loves Boston. Did I miss anyone? Tom Brady. Draymond Green was the next guy on the board. (laughs) Yeah, they, they had Draymond Green. Tom Brady almost signed Kevin Durant. Yeah, Steph Curry was right there. He didn't want to sign the designated player extension. He was thinking about Boston. Anyone else? Did they almost get Michael Jordan in his prime as well? Age messed yeah, up. Yeah, I think uh, Michael Jordan. Bad. They did acquire a time machine, but they went back to Chicago and just decided that it would be unfair to add Michael Jordan to that <laughs> team. Yeah, and, and plus, I mean, they'd have to pay him so much. They'd have to get rid of guys like Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart. And, well, they would have maybe uh, had to Gershon, give up Berlin. Whatever his name is. Well, they would have lost their Brooklyn pick, too. They would have to give up the Brooklyn pick. <laughs> yeah, and they, they – like, So much sarcasm. That Jalen Brown needs to develop, and, you know, you just can't bring in a ball hog like that. Yeah, Jason how can Tatum, you develop – You see Jason Tatum making those jump shots in practice? Can't can't trade for a small forward. Well, how, how can you develop a guy like Jalen Brown when you bring in another wing like Michael Jordan? I mean, you need to leave that backcourt as not – front court wings is not crowded as possible i mean all they have right now are like jalen brown maybe avery bradley maybe jay crowder Jason well, jay crowder's Tatum. contract is still great let's keep that in mind uh, well jay so, the guy you build around <laughs> he's, ne- he's never going to move that one okay um we have a couple ways we could go on this i have a uh chasen's conspiracy corner on danny ainge yep let it ha- uh, let me uh, let me hear well i was gonna say let's or we can go. just rip danny ainge some more so which no, i want the i want is it as good as the third morris twin um, or Morris, Morris triplet. Yeah, that was a really good one. That was a really good one. I'm not. Yeah. This is more deep than that. Um, uh, I think about the time. This goes I straight to the top. Okay, more, more deep than a third, third person. <laughs> no, I I buy the third Morris twin thing. I, think I, I, I agree. It's real. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. All right, here we go. Where did Danny Ainge go? Uh, the 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 topic of this is that there is a league wide conspiracy against Danny Ainge, and that he's actually the greatest GM of all time. So, where did Danny Ainge go to college? Anyone know? 
No clue. Uh, I don't know. Iowa State or something. No, BYU. Okay. Where did David Stern go to college? I have no clue. Okay, a little place <laughs> called Rutgers. So what's significant about this? Well, I was doing some research. BYU is one of the most strict colleges in the country. They ban basically everything fun. It was ranked by Complex as the third worst party school in the country. Yeah, David's, well, a guy had sex with his girlfriend. Who, in who were the two worst ones than BYU? <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't yeah, make that yeah. I was very deep on this conspiracy. Okay. <laughs> Rutgers ranks as a top 50 party school according to reputable news source Bro Bible. So <laughs> here's where the idea originates. David Stern doesn't like how people like Danny Ainge, who went to these fancy, nice prep schools, look down on him. So he hatches this plan that he's going to freeze Dan, uh, he's going to freeze Danny Ainge out. Then Adam Silver takes over as commissioner, and Adam Silver went to a nerd school like Duke. So I, he probably had like a hard time convincing him. Except what happened in 2011? Jimmer Fredette of BYU wins National Player of the Year in college over Duke's Nolan Smith, who is ACC Player of the Year. So that starts this divide between Adam Silver and Danny Ainge. Maybe there's a little bit of trash talk going back and forth. Now, who here knows who Mark Tatum is? I mean, I, I, mean, I don't Yeah, Deputy Commissioner. Harrison got it. So Adam Silver can't do this himself because it would be too obvious. So Mark Tatum, he's the guy who opens all these envelopes. I was on his LinkedIn page last night. And if you look at the skills he has listed, he has strategy, digital strategy, strategic thinking, and strategic planning. What do all those have in common? That sounds like scheming to me. That sounds like tampering, malarkey, nonsense, <laughs> criminal activity, maybe potential illicit illegal activity. I don't know about you guys. So let's dig a little deeper. I was looking at who endorsed him for each of these skills, and I found Bruce Bowen. It was Bruce Bowen's very nice LinkedIn page, but that felt like a misdirect. So I kept going, and I found one person endorsed him for a skill named Kid Jason, endorsed him for strategy. Kid Jason which is clearly an alias for Jason Kidd, who played oh, yeah. for the Suns in 1999 when Danny Ainge suddenly retired to spend more time with his family as coach. The Suns hired Scott Skiles, who famously clashed with Kidd. So Kidd's way of taking revenge on Danny Ainge for abandoning him and giving him Scott Skiles is tampering with the rest of the league to make sure no one ever trades with Danny Ainge. Does anyone have any problems with that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even know <laughs> if I have problems with it or not. Blew my I, mind a little bit. I can just like I think I said this about the Morris triplet, but I'm like just imagining you like like hunched hunched over in like one like lamp room like with a pin board like all the murderers have for, <laughs> trying to like map this out. But I, I I mean I don't see how that could be incorrect really. Kid Jason. But, well, if, if Jason Kid was trying to make an Kid alias, too. maybe he would try to go a little bit different than Kid Jason. That's like it. Jason Child. Yeah, 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 exactly. Kid Jason. I mean, I, I looked at the page. It's not – it's like a blank Abby, like an egg Abby, basically. It's like the Adam Silver Twitter thing. It has to be Jason Kidd, right? I, I don't know. Tw tweet us what you think, whether or not you think that you can find Jason Kidd's uh, <laughs> false flag LinkedIn profile. Okay, but on a serious note, so let's turn this into a serious thing. Yeah, Danny Ainge is ridiculous, and the reports from Woj were that – so people wanted to bring up old trades that he did or did not make. At the trade deadline last year, um, Paul George hadn't said he was leaving no matter what. He hadn't said he was going to L.A. no matter what. And the only reports were, he said, add another star, let's be competitive. They made some moves in the offseason. They brought in, like, Al Jefferson. They tried. That's, I mean, they tried to be better. It didn't really work. So people report that Danny Ainge made a trade then. Well, it's like, of course the Pacers said no. It was two years of Paul George. It wasn't one year. You know, Paul George still has another year left on his contract. 
They could have moved him at the trade deadline this year. So that's one. Two, Danny Ainge offered all their bad assets at the trade deadline, if you even believe those reports. Woj said there was never a serious offer. But if you believe he offered all the lottery-protected and crappy picks and then, like, Jay Crowder, yes, I can understand why Indiana said, no, we're going to wait for better offers. And then they came back to Boston, and Boston said, we're not making an offer because we're waiting for Gordon Hayward. And so there was no trade. So that makes perfect sense to me. Does anyone have a problem with any of the reporting or anything Danny Ainge or anything, anyone have anything they want to get off their chest there? Like just in general or about that specifically? Anything Danny Ainge. Well, I, I mean, to me, like, and he has, I don't want to trash him because that Nets trade was, I think will go down as one of like the greatest fleece jobs in the world. Like in, in sports. Yeah, Billy King will never get a job again because of that trade. And it was a really, really good trade. And the only problem is, Sometimes, and you know, coming from my, you'll jump all over me on this, Scott. Sometimes you have to lose sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, you can't expect to walk away. You should should walk away from a trade feeling okay and good about it. But you should be like, oh, that really sucks that we're going to have to, you know, let this person go. Or, like, I really wish we could have, you know, got X here or Y there. But with with Danny Age, he refuses and refuses to compromise to the point where it's almost nonsensical. Like, and, and you can't hold on. You pick. Speaking of pick a direction, the Celtics are guilt, more guilty of that than hell the Clippers. Like, are you are you trying like to like rebuild while being a contender? Like, what like what is happening here? Trade for a player that is so ready to to win now, just like how Boston is starving to win now. And so obviously one player away, like, and, and I think Paul George more than Jimmy Butler or Gordon Hayward would put them over that edge and seeing, and you got, and if you're Ainge, you have to be just kicking yourself how he, he, the Thunder traded for Paul George about a, like a bag of Skittles and like a couple of Otter Pops and they, and they, and now they have one of the best wings in the league. So, I mean, that's kind of my grievance is Ainge a bad GM. I really don't think so because of those, because he had a few really impressive trades that even get them to the point where we can be upset that they're not making moves yeah, to be and, a champion contender. they're still in a contender. good position. Yeah. Right, and they're still in a good position. But that's kind of my only grievance is that he tries to win so aggressively every trade, and sometimes you have to go into it expecting to not be able to fleece. Not every trade will be like the Nets trade after he did that. Well, and you know, at this point, we're, we're getting to the point where, where time is running out uh, on their young guys. I mean, they, yeah. they've got Marcus Smart. His contract's coming up. You know, Avery Bradley, they're going to have to pay him. Isaiah Thomas, they're going to have to pay him. I mean, they – they can't keep all of these guys anyway. I mean, you've, you've got to make a trade. You've, you've got to trade some of these guys, you know, number one, because you just can't keep them all in your roster. Number two, you know, they, they are literally like forcing guys, you know, hey, you stay overseas because they, they have too many players. Yeah. They have yeah. too many players, and they have eight draft picks in the first round yeah. in the next four years. They can't. I mean, you can't have – there's a such thing as too many young guys because then when you have too many young guys, they, they can't develop. And you can't even, they can't even draft all those players. I think someone was looking at it, and even if they like renounced all the expirings and didn't re sign guys, they have too many draft picks. So if you're not going to consolidate them last year for Paul George or what, you know, this year for Jimmy Butler, who, whether or not you agree with the trade, it was a, it was a fairly cheap price to get him, then wh- what are you doing with all these assets? That's my problem. Because, Mike, you're right. Danny Ainge is not a bad GM. No. He's built the number one seed in the East that also has the number one draft pick this year or had. Um, but at some point, what are you doing? Draft Markel Fultz. What, what are you doing with this extra one draft pick that you got that you're still not going to turn into anything, you know? Harrison, right. what, are, what are your thoughts on Danny Ainge? 
I think the thing that people, because yeah, I want to clarify here. I don't think Danny Ainge is a bad GM. There are definitely worse GMs in the league than Danny Ainge like, pretty easily. Like he's, yeah. he's for sure probably like in the top 10 or 15. But the thing that gets irritating is how after every single tra- superstar that gets traded, it's like we talked about, there's a leak that like, oh, they were this close. They almost had him. They offered, they offered this and oh, that crazy team turned it down. And it's always from the local Boston media and they buy it every single time. And I don't understand how they continue to believe that Danny Ainge is just like getting at like, like Scott's chasing's conspiracy corner. <laughs> the, the people the, like Celtics fans actually believe this. I was arguing with a guy, and he I, he was like, "See, this is what Danny Ainge offered on Twitter." And I was like, "Like, do you really?" At least afterwards, that didn't on. come out during the process. And then Woj, of course, says that there was never a serious offer from Boston. It's like, well, of course, if they offered that, they would have taken it. Right. I I don't know. I Danny Ainge frustrates me more than anyone because yeah, I well, personally think with um, any combination, pick any two. Of Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Blake Griffin, Gordon Hayward, they'd be the best team in the NBA. I think well, they yeah, I disagree with Blake Griffin, but I think any of the other three, yeah. That that's why it's so frustrating for basically every one who's a fan of the NBA is because we we see this team that could possibly challenge the, yeah. the Cavs or the Warriors, and and they're not doing anything about. It. They're they're just sitting on it, all their assets, and we just so badly want, you know, not not new blood, but just just somebody. Somebody else that can contend. Like, how many points per game against LeBron James is this? Uh, is this pick? Is this Nets pick going to average? Like, like maybe, maybe these picks aren't helping on the floor as much as like a uh, Paul George or a Jimmy Butler. So, I mean, you, you you can't hold on to these assets forever because eventually your hand is going to, in a weird turn of events, be more forced than like they they pretty much have showed their hand, and now people can force that like the closer and closer it gets to these picks, and the more obviously, in the more uh, time that they're like clearly starving for another wing. And, well, and they know, haven't shown that they can like draft superstars with these picks either. I don't yeah. understand why there's so much blind faith when like like you know based on his draft record. Like yeah, he's drafted nice players. They aren't like a great. They aren't Anthony Bennett or something. But <laughs> the, it's not it's not like he's out here like dra- he's drafting LeBron and Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns every single year with these picks. Wait, you haven't heard of the untouchable Terry Rogier? Am I pronouncing that right? I don't care to know his Red name. Rogier. It's Rogier. I, I don't care. I, it, it's I, I. It's close enough. <laughs> it's... Well, well, Scott, you, you mentioned you listened to the to Locked On mock offseason. In, in that mock offseason, Danny LaRue, he, he was the GM of the Thunder. He, he traded peanuts for Marcus Smart. He yep. traded, like, Josh Hustis, Samaj Christian, and, like, a draft pick and maybe something else to make salaries work. Eustace is not a bad player because because they <laughs> literally to a bulls near you. <laughs> they literally just, they can't keep all these guys. They're going to either have to let them go or or dump them for nothing. Why yeah. why not in, include them in a trade for a superstar instead? Well, and I was arguing with a guy too who said it was the same guy, but he was like, "Well, I don't want to gut the team." I'm like, "What gutting the team is not getting rid of Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart when you're acquiring Gordon Hayward and Paul George." Yeah, man, and Jay Crowder's contract, you got to remember his contract. It's so good, okay? Don't ever don't ever dispute the greatness of Jay Crowder's contract. <laughs> well, and then the, the next the next thing we're going to be hearing about for the next <clears throat> however many years Anthony Davis is still in New Orleans is, oh, well, the Celtics are angling the trade for Anthony Davis, and we all know what's going to happen. It's going to go down to the wire, and then Davis is going to go somewhere else, and Boston's going to be like, oh, almost had him. Yeah, yeah. He, almost had him. We we had who's another famous Boston athlete? Who's someone that plays like hockey there? I don't know. I don't watch hockey. was in the meeting. Almost got him. 
He was this close. David Ortiz. Tom Brady flew himself out to New Orleans to try and recruit Anthony Davis. Yeah, he just he he just really liked the atmosphere in Phoenix that much more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I mean, you know, essentially what we're all saying here is that Boston is like the greatest team that could have been that never will be. Yeah. I do you guys ever think Danny Ainge is going to consolidate the assets? Do you think the Thunder? Yeah, I think it's going to be a bad move. I think he's yeah. going to get pressured enough that he's going to make like a terrible trade with them, and nothing would make me laugh more. <laughs> what? I, I, I think they'll rebuild with them before he moves them, because at the yeah. by the time he realizes it, I mean, keep in mind Isaiah's what like thirty. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm not. And sure. they're going to have to give him like the super max, and he's yeah, never I mean, going to be able to have the season yeah. he had last year again. How much? Yeah. How much longer is Isaiah Thomas going to be like a top three point guard in the East? I don't think. For more than two years, is no. he a top three point guard in the East? Mm. Like I, I'd kind of rather have. I'm there are guys Cam- I'd rather you, have than him. Well, campaign John Wall, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so I'd say four. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he is. He is. He's top three in the East. But yeah. no, I don't think for much. He's not. He's maybe maybe a better way to say it is like he's not a top three point guard that I would want leading me into a playoff team. I thought right. part of the reason why those trades were so appealing is if you could find a way to hang on to like a Marcus Smart and just add one wing, then you could actually bring Isaiah Thomas off the bench and then you lose like the defensive liability problem because Marcus Smart will have shooters around him, especially with like a Paul George who shoots, you know, 40% from three. And And then one thing you and I talked about, Scott, mm -hmm. just, you know, text is that, you know, maybe they should be trying to trade Isaiah. Yeah. I mean, his value is never going to be higher. higher. He's got this hip injury. We we don't know how he's going to come back from, from this hip injury. I mean, he's, He's five foot nine. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And those kind of players kind of like really deteriorate at a much more rapid rate. Very honestly. quickly. Yeah. Once they yeah. lose that little bit of extra bounce that they have. Right. Or and it's very little, but once they lose it, it's they noticeable. They can't get their shots off. Yeah, totally agree. So we've spent a lot of time on Danny Ainge, which is good. Let's, let's move to the Paul George trade because it's kind of tangentially related um, Evan, starting with you, is there a chance the Thunder flip Paul George again? And what do you think of the situation now, likeliness that both players or one player will be back in OKC after this year? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I think the only way they flip Paul George again is if it absolutely blows up in their face. Like, like if Russell Westbrook and Paul George just cannot coexist, things are going just absolutely terribly. That, that'd be worst case scenario. But, but even then... I think if they did flip Paul George, they could probably get pretty equal value to what they traded away. And in my opinion, I feel like that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and gosh, I, I don't know. I, I think Paul George is probably probably gone. He's probably not staying another year. I, I still think Russell Westbrook is probably going to stay. But yeah, I I don't know. It, it's just going to be so interesting. Every quote. Every little bit of body language is going to be dissected to the absolute max this year. And I'm excited. It's going to suck. (laughs) I'm excited to see it all play out. I I think if I had to guess, I'd say Paul George is moving on. But, you know, everyone always said, well, if he he goes to Boston, if he goes to Cleveland, they aren't going to be on the same level as Cleveland would have been. But if he goes to Boston, I don't think that Thunder team is necessarily that much worse than what the Celtics would have been. I mean, they're, Similar, similar levels. I mean, who, who knows? Is he really going to leave if the Thunder make the Western Conference Finals? I mean, we, we just don't know. Well, Harrison, an interesting point that was made on a podcast, I, you are on all of them, so I forget which one it was, but was that uh, Russell Westbrook will be the best player Paul George has ever played with. 
know. Hey, man, Roy Hibbert's verticality. Don't disrespect <laughs> it. MVP. Um, but he, he's going to be the best point guard he's ever played with. I, I actually love the fit there because I think Paul George plays really well off ball. And I think mm-hmm. the defensive versatility one through three, assuming Russell Westbrook actually tries in that end this year, um, should, like should be interesting. If Russell Westbrook can even be a league average defender, what you're getting out of Robertson and Paul George is going to be great. Are you worried at all? I think, just real quick, I think the two of them are going to fit together a little bit better than even Durant and Westbrook did, and they weren't necessarily a great fit. I I think they do fit a little bit better than Durant and Westbrook did, although I don't think it'll be as successful, if that makes sense. I agree. Just because of the sheer talent of Durant. I I think the absolute perfect uh, player to get would also be J.J. Redick for OKC, but that can't happen anymore, and I'm very disappointed in that. But but Harrison, I wanted to ask, what as as someone who covers the Lakers, what do you think in terms of – does this affect the likeliness of Paul George ending up in in uh, in L.A.? No, because, I mean, to be honest, I'm not one of the Lakers people that thinks that Paul George to L.A. is pre- as preordained as everyone is saying. I think on Agreed. some level it is a little bit of a leverage ploy to, like, not get teams to trade for him so that he can pick his next destination and go into it with, like, an open mind. Like, he wouldn't have to you know, worry about getting traded somewhere that he doesn't want to be this year, which I guess, you know, it didn't really work. Maybe he's going to be happy in OKC. We don't know. But like, I think on some level, it was an attempt to make it so that the Pacers couldn't really trade him and he could just play out the year wherever he was and then go into free agency with a clean slate and get to, you know, like get recruited and wooed by all these teams and not try out something new for a year. But I mean, so I don't think it's a guarantee that he ends up with the Lakers, but I also don't think that this really negatively affects it because all the reports are saying that he could be swayed maybe by a winning situation, but otherwise he's hell-bent on L.A. I don't. I think OKC is going to be good. I think they're going to be better than they were last year, but I don't think that they're going to be good enough to convince Paul George to stay. Yeah, I, I think we'll talk where, where we see them in the standings. We were talking about this a little bit before, but I really think Oklahoma City could do – Maybe not a top three seed, but maybe the fourth seed. I could honestly I see. Think I four think, is where I have their ceiling. I agree. Yeah, four. I, especially like, I mean, Stephen Adams. I know Evan. I gave you a lot of crap about this this year, and like how the bigs and all it didn't turn out to be. But I mean, they they have like a pretty decent team if they have two stars. When they had one, it didn't really work. But right, I mean, it feels like the Thunder roster is this covers a lot of weaknesses that the roster had last year. Absolutely, and that. You know, assuming they bring back Robertson, which, you know, all indications just from from beat reporters is that they're going to at this point, they're going to be a, a nightmare on the wing defensively. And you can throw Jeremy Grant out there and they can pretty much switch. You know, they can throw out lines. They can switch everything. And one thing that's going to open up is, you know, last year, you know, it, it was really noticeable. Stephen Adams, the, the lobs were just absolutely non-existent. I mean, they because they were, you know, so. So. It had to be, you know, Durant had to be the guy on the wing to to draw people to the outside because they just had no no other shooters. I mean, Old Depot was a decent shooter, but defenses didn't respect him to his percentages. Now, I mean, Adams Adams is probably thinking, oh, thank God, because he doesn't have to be the second option anymore on offense at times. He he has a much more wide open lane. I mean, there'd be times he'd catch the ball and he'd have four guys helping down on him, just stripping stripping the ball. So mm-hmm. I I think it's going to open up a lot of things for the role players. What do you think the fit is in terms of uh, with Coach Donovan there too? Will, will he fit in with all all their uh, their actions? Yeah, I, I would assume so. I think they're probably, you know, the fact that they had Durant. Obviously, he and George are different players, but I think 
that they're going to treat him a lot like Durant. You're going to see a lot of curl stuff, you know, quick, quick jumpers, things like that. Can I, can I jump yeah. in here really quick about fit? I, the only fit issue that I do see is Russell Westbrook last year. Like you, there's no debating. He was really good. He was awesome. His numbers were awesome. He was really good individually, but it did not look like it would have been fun to play with him. If that makes sense. And if he can't take his foot off the gas a little bit for George, who got mad about not getting shots towards the end of games at the end of the season, seems to be very focused on he wants to be the star wherever he goes. I I think that there could end up being chemistry issues there if Russell Westbrook is just like unwilling to give ground at all in terms of touches at the end of games or things like that. And I also think that at some point we're going to see the headline like Paul George is openly recruiting Russell Westbrook to L.A. in the locker room and the Thunder are going to have to move him. Um, so, Mike, as the resident chemistry expert and oh, yeah. uh, on, thing, on things lack thereof, uh, what do you think about Paul George, Russell Westbrook, chemistry or no chemistry? On a I, scale I, I, from Suns to Bulls, what do you think the chemistry is going to be? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I Which think one that, has the good chemistry there? I don't yeah, know. Right, it's right, like right. on whatever. Uh, I actually think that they'll exist decently well together. I caught the end of uh, you know, what Harrison was saying about the shots at the end of the games. That obviously is the probably biggest potential for there to be issues. But I think their style of playing, like both kind of like killer personalities, will actually complement each other pretty well. I'm excited to see them. They're one of those teams. If Utah gets Gordon Hayward, I think those teams gets him back. Those will be kind of two teams that are competing for that fourth and fifth spot. I'm really interested to see where those – if, if any of them can actually like challenge the Warriors, basically mm-hmm. make them lose a game in a series, something. Yeah. Like that. And yeah, it's just interesting. Cause we, we talked, I talked about a little bit with, with the Rockets, you know, James Harden was intimately involved, involved in, in bringing Chris Paul to the Rockets. And it's similar here, you know, Roy Stone was reporting that, that Westbrook was very involved in this. He, he, he went to Sam Presti and said that he, he wanted more help. He, he needed more help. He wanted to make a, a move to, to bank them more competitive, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously it's it's different you know to, to do it and to say it he still has to go out and prove that that he can not share the ball but prove that he can coexist with somebody else on, on the court again but you know he he did it for the first eight years of his career so mike, years. mike has to get going soon so let's go to one final topic with mike and then we'll we'll close it out here um the bulls made a trade to get rid of jimmy <laughs> butler I, I could have talked myself into this trade. This is a little bit older now. This was, you know, draft obviously. But I could have talked myself into this trade if it wasn't a pick swap. You know, if, if the Bulls had just held on to their pick, Whatever. which seems like such a little thing. But it's always those – it's the same thing with the Kings trade. If the Pelicans had won the lottery this year, so they had gotten DeMarcus Cousins and a top three pick, like it, it would have just been hilarious. And I, I think that the fact that they basically moved up nine spots and swapped Jimmy Butler for Zach Levine – assuming that Chris Dunn doesn't magically just turn into an amazing NBA player, which he might. But I, I, think, I think it's those details that separates an okay trade from just a bad trade flat out. So, Mike, you obviously like this trade. Yeah, I do. Um, what, what do you think about Zach Levine coming off the injury? What do you think about the Bulls? And are, are you at yeah. least excited they're going to rebuild? Because we talked about this before you got on. The most exciting news of the last three days for me is that the Suns aren't going after Paul Millsap and that they're actually going to commit right. to the rebuild and the youth. So I love that. Well, we, yeah, and like I said, or I've said that's kind of the common theme for free agency with me, but they, they also finally picked a lane because last year was the weirdest roster just ever. It made no, absolutely no sense, like the ages, the, the skill sets did not complement each other. And what people are kind of forgetting is that for the first time, I'd say since Hoiberg's been there, 
he actually has a, a group of players that reflect how he would like to play the game. You can't give a coach like Fred Hoiberg the by far it was like OKC twenty nine, and then far away was the Bulls in in three pointers because they were just putrid at them. And Hoiberg likes to play fast. He wants to spread the floor, and they just could not do it. There were times when they were clearly trying to, but they just could not make the shots. Now with Markinen and with Markinen and the uh, the pick swap, I, I think I don't think that's as huge of a deal. Obviously, you want to try to keep all those picks and load up with as uh, many assets as you can. But I have a bigger grievance with uh, getting rid of Bell for cash than I do with giving up that pick in a deep draft. And when you're trying to rebuild, you might as well bring in all these names because you know there have been some gems hidden in the second round. So to get rid of him for three million dollars, that's the only part I really don't like. But Jimmy Butler, he he was never really listening to Hoiberg. He was never listening to like anyone except Jimmy Butler. And I love the guy. But but it just really we should. He, it was not a player that made sense for the Bulls to keep paying as much money as they were, while also realizing that he will never be the guy to completely build around. Do you think? And, and, yeah, go ahead. Think, real quick, do you think Jordan Bell that three three point five million or whatever it was? Do you think that's part of like the Dwayne Wade buyout fund that they're just going <laughs> to do that? <laughs> well, you know, with D Wade and Rondo, I wish they kept Rondo for one more year just to. If I don't know how much you guys believe in this, but I think that maybe the like mentor thing could help a little bit. But I don't even know how much Wade really cares at this point, though. So, um, but I mean, our then the Bulls' hand was kind of forced too because Jimmy Jimmy Butler's uh, value will absolutely never be higher than it was at the end of this year. And people, and I think everyone around the league kind of knew that. And I think the Bulls knew it better than anybody. So, did they probably rush it a little bit? Yeah, but is Mark? I think Markin is a totally polished offensive player. His defense needs work, but you know, who's who's doesn't when you're right when you're getting into the league. I love that they didn't take Malik Monk because I think he is absolute ceiling, like ceiling, ceiling is Jamal Crawford, which is still a good career. But I just I don't think that he's going to be like really stand out, like remember his name forever from this draft. It's it's something that had to happen. And with Chris Dunn, he had a bad year last year. Sure. Tom Thibodeau cannot develop rookies for shit. He has no idea how to play young guys. And like, like people think, oh, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had his breakout year at Hoiberg's first year. So are there still some markings from Thibodeau on that? Probably. But until he proves as the head coach that he can play young guys and, and, and develop them from a young age, then I, I don't really put too much stock in Dunn's bad year. With Levine's injury, being a Chicago Bulls fan, injuries always terrify you. But it's, it's not like a, an exact science that a freak thing can happen, and it doesn't mean the guy is you know, like frail. It's tough, because, but sometimes you, you just don't have a strong enough body to play. And I don't think that's necessarily the case with Levine. I think right. I would feel a lot better about this trade for the Bulls if it, if it would have been in, in the top six. Because I'm just not a believer in marketing. I don't think he really fits in with, with today's NBA because I, I just don't see how he stays on the court. A stretch four that like, can, can absolutely knock down a, a pick-and-pop jumper. I don't see how he defends anybody. Yeah, and I think he, he, him defending a pick and roll in space is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, well, Mike, and trust me, I've been yeah. watching the slowest pick and roll defender in the league for the last couple. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say between like Kevin Love, uh, uh, Ennis Canner, and now Laurie Markinen, uh have a, a trio of great pick and roll defenders. Mike, if you have to bounce, that's cool, and we can continue. I on. do. I got to. I got to go get some bogeys on on the old links. So, well, you know. thank you for your service to Triple OT. You will be dearly missed and of replaced course. by Harrison by the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mahalo. As Mike figures out how to hang up, we'll, we'll <laughs> hang up and hang up. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's on the. All right, there we go. Mike. No, on. you hang up first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Harrison. What do you think of the Bulls trade? Because we all think it's terrible. 
Yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't have a whole lot to add. I, I think it's pretty terrible. I mean, I hate to do this right as Mike logs off and he can't defend Laurie Markkinen anymore. But the it's like you said, the, the pick swap is just awful. I don't think Dunn's good at basketball. Levine's injured. This is this is and he's a player that's primarily reliant on his athleticism. And so you don't want to just assume that he's going to be fine after an injury. So I don't know. I really I thought the trade was really bad, but it does kind of jive with Again, we it goes back to how if you're a superstar in the NBA right now and you're on the trade market, the teams can literally trade you for like a bag of trash and cash considerations. Harrison, I want to throw this lob up to you because the Lakers obviously made a move to get out from under Timothy Mozgov's contract. This kind of goes back to draft day. They, they had to part with D'Angelo Russell, but it seems like they're committing to Lonzo Ball. And I know I've probably given Lakers fans more crap than anyone in the world about this trade, but... Uh, assuming LA gets a free agent or two, it could be kind of a, a pretty effective move. You were talking about how people won't really care if the results are better than the process. I'm, I'm just curious if you would like to elaborate on that point on this podcast and steal that entirely from Lakers Outsiders. Well, I can elaborate on it here because nobody's going to yell at me about like <laughs> Rob Polinka's intimidation <laughs> or something like that. So I'll, I'll yeah, I mean, I think... I'll start off with the trade was bad. I think it was a bad idea. I don't think that they had to do it now. I think it's bad process, even though, but like, it's not completely unjustifiable. Mozgov's contract was obviously awful, even though Iguodala is somehow going to be making more this year, which is kind of hilarious. But Mozgov's contract, they needed to get out from under that if they were going to get cap space next summer. So getting rid of it now, I just, I don't see why they had to do it. I, I don't think it's not like a team. I don't think would have taken on this deal with only two years left on Mozgov's deal if the Lakers were still willing to offer D'Angelo Russell. And then at that point, you're giving Russell and Lonzo Ball a chance to play together. You're seeing how well it can fit instead of just assuming because of narratives or whatever, like, you know, Lonzo's a true point guard and D'Angelo Russell isn't. So obviously you can't play D'Angelo Russell off the ball like he had a bunch of success with last year. You just got to move him because uh, it's like a, it's, a, it's a steal from pardon my take. It's like, whose man's is this? <laughs> And it's uh, it's Lonzo Ball's man's and uh, they, they had to get rid of Russell. But I don't think that the trade is totally like it, Brooke Lopez is like the sixth best free agent next year. They, he's going to be a good player. He was better than Russell was last year. So it does help the team in that aspect. I just I think it was bad process. But if it frees up that 2018 cap space, it allows them to sign, say, Paul George and LeBron like they've been rumored to want. I don't think that that's happening, but if it works, then the pro no one's going to care about the process. All the people who were really, really upset about all of kind of the, you know, Russell being gone and everything that I just talked about, 90% of them are no longer going to care if Paul George and LeBron James is on their team. So the Lakers new front office, they took a huge gamble. I don't, I don't trust the process. I don't think it was good process, but I also don't think that it's impossible that it works out for them. I think anytime a deal happens and then you get rumored that teams are looking to make a Nets type deal, you know what I'm saying? Like when that starts to come out, I think that's usually the sign of like a bad trade. But I agree. I think this will be a case where, you know, if it if it works, it's great. I mean, Evan, it's this is obviously a very different scenario. But think about like the Oladipo Ibaka trade. In a vacuum, it seemed like Ibaka was a pretty good fit for what they were doing, just looking for a far. And, and let's say Oladipo had turned out to be 
a disaster and even, you know, worse than he was a horrible contract. And that, that whole trade turns out to be horrible, but Kevin Durant stays. No one cares that they lost Serge Ibaka, right? Right. Uh, absolutely. And just to add on what Harrison said, if, you know, if next July, if LeBron James and Paul George say, Hey, you know, we, we, we want to come, the Lakers could have still made this exact same trade. Like, I, I don't think – I mean, they maybe could have gotten more. I mean, they maybe could have Right, because more. why is Moskov's deal less attractive ne- next summer? It's well, not. The There's about two years left on it. You're not you, trading for Moskov because you think he's a good player. Were you guys – do you think there's any – The Angelo's value could have even been higher, too. I, I was going to ask about this. Do you think there was maybe a worry that D'Angelo Russell's value was going to go down? How does it go down? I just well, I don't I, see I don't know. Like, a catastrophic. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm not coming at you. I'm just saying, like, uh, barring a catastrophic injury, uh, or like, or like, you know, he breaks up another teammate's engagement. I just don't see how <laughs> his value goes down after another year of playing basketball in what? his like third year after he put up like pretty decent per 36 stats in his second year or in like first real NBA year because he really can't count his rookie season, which was like the Kobe funeral carnival and like. Byron Scott farewell tour. So it, it, he was the he was the pick before that. It, it, right, the Kobe the Kobe farewell season. He was picked like prior to that year, correct? Yeah, that was his rookie year. So his rookie year, he spent like getting yelled at by one of the worst, getting like quote unquote tutored by one of the worst coaches in NBA history, while having to watch Kobe jack thirty five shots a game and not play defense. I mean, that's a pretty horrible rookie experience. Do you think? It's like legitimately one of the worst situations I think a top two pick has ever come into. Do you think this? I'm I'm throwing this out there with no anything, but like, do you think that legitimately stunted his growth? Well, yeah, I think between that, I think between that, I think between the media atmosphere that was like that kind of encroached upon him from the second he came in, he's very confident. He's very, he's almost cocky. And people, because of that, they were saying like, okay, he's the next Kobe. And right from the start, like when he was struggling in summer league, there were people that no joke coming at me on Twitter. It was my first uh, summer league that I had ever covered. There were people tweeting at me that D'Angelo Russell was a bust after one summer league game. And like, you know, like, or after summer league, there were seriously people that like, did the Lakers make the wrong pick? Because he had a really bad first summer league. Like there's no, there's no way around that. And then after he came into the year and it was pretty much, it was just watching Kobe do his thing, which I guess, you know, on some level he had earned, but it was not a good situation for rookies to develop in. And then especially under a coach who actively disliked him. And then there was the whole Nick Young thing at the end of the year where his teammates started freezing him out. And it was and that was his fault. Like, I'm not saying that that wasn't his fault, but it was a really, really horrible rookie situation for him. All right. Well, I think we've got enough Lakers talk for a lifetime now. So we never have to mention that irrelevant team in Los Angeles again until they (laughs) sign LeBron James next year. And I get really upset. Yeah, well, I I actually have a little bit of a conspiracy about that myself. Well, I was going to say, let's let's lob it up to the Harrison's hot take. This is the segment for people who don't listen to Locked On Lakers. It, it, usually on Mondays. Um, usually. It, usually. Um, it, it's loosely what Chasen's conspiracy corner is uh, based around. We don't have the explosion noise that Harrison normally gets. And uh, Well, yeah. that's fine because I'm actually – I'm not going to yell today. I, I was going to say, it usually it involves a lot more yelling. 
It is going. Yeah, there's usually I'm usually yelling and I go full sports radio hot take mode. But it actually this one's a little bit more conspiracy than hot take because I could I I couldn't come up with like an NBA wide hot take or it's a little bit of a hot take. I just don't feel like I need to yell it. It's very tinfoil hat. So and, you know, it's an homage to you because I really Chasey's conspiracy corner is one of my favorite segments on any podcast. And the the Morris triplet thing, everybody (laughs) should go back and listen to that if they missed it. But so I think LeBron James, he has this all figured out. He's going to break up the warrior. He's going to break up the warriors from the inside. Okay. <laughs> he, you see him, you see him on Twitter. He starts like the second Steph Curry. He's now the highest paid player in NBA history, right? 201 million. It was the biggest contract ever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you see LeBron immediately come on Twitter. It's not enough. He should be making more. And then, you know, you got Steph Curry. He's like, oh, you know, maybe I should be making more. Maybe I should be making $400 million. LeBron's right. And, like, LeBron knows why he can't. He asked why. He knows why he can't. He was the vice president of the Players Union that approved the CBA that caps individual player salaries. But LeBron, you know, he's starting to, like, he's starting to get Steph Curry a little bit unhappy. Steph Curry starts thinking he should be making more. And then LeBron, this year, he stops recruiting free agents for the Cavs. He's just, there's that report. He's not from Dave McMenamin. He's not, re, he's not out there recruiting free agents. And so the Cavs are forced to sign Jose Calderon's corpse. And then LeBron, <laughs> who I'm assuming is the active GM of the Cavs uh, with David Griffin gone, because they were kind of like, I think, co-GMs while David Griffin was there. So David Griffin's gone. So LeBron's like GM now. And there were rumors that the Cavs were trying to trade Amon Shumpert to the Rockets. They were in talks. And then they pulled back out of that a little bit. And all of a sudden, the Rockets are like, oh, we have to we have to offer Iguodala more money. Iguodala takes that offer. He goes to the Warriors. The Warriors give him three years, $48 million and are forced into like luxury tax hell in a couple of years. So. They got like Iguodala making all this money. They got Steph Curry making all this money. Everybody's still unhappy. And then what happens in two years? Well, LeBron and LeBron and Paul George, who have joined forces with the Lakers by then, uh, have been. uh, You know, there was that report that Clay Thompson was being recruited to play with to play with Paul in Los Angeles, right as the Warriors are being forced to break up their team due to luxury tax concerns, chemistry issues. So LeBron's two moves ahead. Clay goes to Los Angeles to join with future Lonzo Ball and future Brandon Ingram and form a super team with Paul George and LeBron. And LeBron wins titles in his 40s while sipping margaritas on the beach while Golden State deteriorates due to teammates' unhappiness. Draymond Green's pissed that Steph Curry's making more than him. Steph Curry's pissed that he's not making more than he's allowed to make. Iguodala has a luxury tax hell. And like they're tearing themselves apart with tampering and luxury tax stuff. And LeBron's just, you know, he's he has the best team in the Pacific Division. Harrison, you've you've missed one part of the conspiracy, though, that I think adds to this conspiracy even more. Okay. who is the president of the NBA Players Association? Chris Paul. LeBron James banana boat friend. Oh, Chris Paul. Yeah, free agent next summer. That's why the Lakers are trying to clear to clear cap space. They're going to sign LeBron, Paul George, and Chris Paul. Uh, banana boat to LA. Melo's going to get his buyout. I, I, He's coming. Yeah. I, I, unintentionally, I unintentionally like found this complete like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Joe, Joe Lacob, like we hear you talking about light years ahead. It's really LeBron that's light years ahead. He's got this all figured out. He's building his paradise in Los Angeles. Does does anything piss you guys off as much as like Bob Myers hair pisses me off? 
I just, I don't think it's fair for somebody to be that good at their job and that good looking. I know. It's really annoying. <laughs> it's really frustrating. Because I, I got neither of those things going <laughs> for me. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm just a hater. Oh, Harrison, you're not that bad looking. You are terrible at your job. I'm trying to think maybe, maybe, maybe Danny Ainge. Maybe, uh, oh, Sam Presti, his new haircut, like every two days. Sam Presti looks like he works at the Apple store, man. Absolutely. He, le- he literally gets a haircut like every two days. Someone, I was reading, well, I, I don't know what I was looking at, but there's something about haircuts and like, because I, I never know like when to go get my haircut and like how often you're supposed to go. And like someone was saying they go every week. And I was just like, I can't, you, how, how do you do that? Dude, my girlfriend cuts hair for a living and I still don't go. Like it's like every four weeks for me. How often do you go, Harrison? Uh, yeah, probably about every four weeks. Yeah, every month. I can't imagine like what type of psychopath gets their haircut every week or every couple days. That is so. I'm fun. telling you, man, Sam Presti, oh, for geez. his second job at the Apple Store, they they have like a dress code. <laughs> All right, finally, let's just really quick. Uh, new coverage. Woj goes to ESPN. We have Shams. This, there's a scoreboard apparently, and. They're competing for scoops, and Romana Shelburne is yeah, it's, it's eight to seven in favor of Woj. Last I looked, and Jeff Goodman has one, and Chris Broussard has actually twelve, but they were just after everyone else. <laughs> so uh, it was very, very close. To hey, technically, it. Woj's Twitter account is a league source. Fair, yeah, that good point. That sources tell Chris Broussard that he read Twitter that. is a source. It's yeah. a source of information. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean you got it first, but it's a source. Uh, real quick on Chris Broussard, did anyone else see that he said he wouldn't vote Avery Bradley for Defensive Player of the Year because Devin Booker dropped 70 on him, and then everyone was like, Avery Bradley didn't play that game, and then Chris Broussard <laughs> goes, so hard at that. Chris Broussard sends out a tweet that's like, actually, that didn't affect my voting. I'm like, dude, your entire argument on that segment for him not being defensive, you know, all defense team, was that Devin Booker dropped 70 on him. Maybe he was in the trunk of Mark Cuban's car during that game. <laughs> <laughs> that's a throwback that was fun but what did you, what'd you guys think of the vertical show for the draft and and the free agency special if you watched it uh i watched the free agency special i didn't watch the vertical show i thought the free agency special was it wasn't as much breaking news as i expected it to be and then like at one point they just started talking about like videos of players doing things because mm-hmm. i think that there was like not enough news to report mm-hmm. so it was not like i was expecting between Woj and ramona you know, I was expecting like bombs every single every single second, and just like it was, they were going to be reporting these things, like like reading texts off their phones of agency meetings and stuff that were happening. But the best thing to happen was when Woj made his appearance on Scott Van Pelt, and the Nuggets tried to FaceTime him during the <laughs> middle of a segment, yeah. and and like Scott Van Pelt, Scott Van Pelt called him out. Like normally they just like ignore the thing, and he's like, they're coming back from break, and Scott's like, he's like, hey. Adrian's on with us. You can't FaceTime him, Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I, Woj is, I met, mentioned before in the show, I met him once before, and it was just funny because, like, while I was talking Humble to him, brag. Phone, yeah, it's a very, I've met him, but his phone is just buzzing and going off, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't imagine living that way. I said before I had a Sham story, too, I wanted to mention. So I was at or, uh, the D-League Showcase a couple years ago, and I went up and he was still, he had just gotten hired by Yahoo. And I go up to him, I just introduced myself, said, loved your stuff, you know, good reporting at Real GM, congrats on the, on the gig. 
I, I think it was then. And he's like, yeah, Scott, you're your son's guy, right? And I was like, yeah, very nice. Like, I didn't even know you knew who I was. Like, I've broken one story in my life, and it was about Archie Goodwin. So I'm not sure why you know my name, but I was just like, cool. And then I walked away and you then realized. Beat him. I, but yeah, and then I walked away and realized I was wearing a name tag that said Scott Jason Valley of the Sun. <laughs> so, ego. Uh, real quick on Woj, I I think it was Zach Harper. Somebody asked like where where Woj was, like when he was on the jump, like that studio he was in, like it was, <laughs> and uh, Zach Harper I think said it was like NBA My Player. <laughs> it was a, I don't know why they green screened him into like a like a studio. It made no sense. No, that it was it was the two K whatever what what two K like fifteen My Player Lounge or yeah Woj guys- is coming to you live from the two K fifteen My Player Lounge. <laughs> Have you seen, did you guys used to play Madden when they had like that, like you'd create a player and you'd go to his apartment and you'd chill there. It yeah. looked just like that. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I, TV confuses me. Some of the choices they make, they're like, oh, we need to spend like a couple thousand dollars on green screening Woj into a studio when we could just like put him in a studio. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was funny. I kind of like Harrison said, yesterday I was watching the jump and, uh, you know, they they definitely didn't have enough enough breaking news enough enough Woj bombs Ramona whatever so they uh they're going through different segments and, and somehow during you know all this that's going on we get a LeBron subtweeting question because you know he he tweeted the the Jay Z lyric about the you know nobody wins when the family feuds oh no I didn't <laughs> see that <laughs> and so I I'm mean dead. like he, he's warning the Warriors it's cryptic <laughs> but he's letting them know. <laughs> What is the what what was Woj's feud with ESPN before he got there? Because everyone was everyone on Twitter that I'd seen was making a really big deal about every time Woj comes on the show, Amin. Yeah, and, he was uh, looking away. Yeah, Amin was like looking away. You know, Windhorse, uh, you know, kind of talked, but not really. Like as soon as Woj was gone, like Windhorse and Amin were like, "Okay, we're back." But you know, while while he was on, it was literally just Ramona. Well, there, questions. there was that tweet. I think some people read too much into that stuff, but at the same time, like, you know, the, like he came in and re- reportedly, we don't know any of this stuff, but there were like, there were reports out there that part of the reason that there were like all those layoffs was because he had feuds with those guys. And if those were those, if that's what happened and those were their coworkers, I could see why they would maybe not be the happiest. Well, and there was also that tweet. Remember, I don't remember who he got into it with, where he basically said like, you have 70 people at ESPN. You should be a lot more worried about how you aren't being break you know how you aren't breaking every story than about me basically so oh yeah i do he's he's feuded with with espn in the past that, that was i like, heard that him and stein like didn't really like each other him and who stein huh that's interesting mark stein's another good guy too at a he's chance the nicest guy like i don't know how you couldn't get along I was gonna with say, it seems like everyone i don't believe it because mark stein's like one of the nicest people yeah, ever. Seems, like, seems like everybody loves mark stein all right, I think this is a good stopping place for us. I can't really see the time and how long this is going, but I'm going to assume about an hour 20, maybe a little bit more than that. So uh, it's been a long special. This will probably hold us through to the summer. Uh, real quick, guys, before we go, everyone give a Gordon Hayward prediction. At the same time, we're going to count to three and then say it of where you think he's going to go. Okay, one, two, uh, three, and then go. One, two, three. Magic. Miami. Wait, Harrison, what did you say? I just yelled magic. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Why isn't he going to the Lakers? That is a story for another time. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, triple OTP, triple spelled out, followed by the letters OTP. We are all on Twitter too. Evan is. At Evan R. Riggs. Gordon Hayward's meeting with the Jazz in San Diego, by the way. Just saw that Ooh. reported. As reported live on triple OT. 
Uh, Harrison on Twitter is at HM Fagan. Yep. I am at Chase and Scott, and uh, Mike is at Triple OTP as well. Harrison, where can people read or listen to your voice? So if you want to read words that I write that generally aren't conspiracies about LeBron trying to build a super team with the Lakers, it's uh, at Silver Screen and Roll. It's SB Nation's Lakers blog. And then I also host a during the summer, it's been tri-weekly, but during the season, it's a it's a daily uh, Lakers podcast called Locked On Lakers. And, uh, you know, just go give it a nice review on iTunes and uh, that, that helps us out. Sorry, I went into like reflexive plug mode. No, you're good. And if you want to hear Harrison interrupting a bunch of guests, uh, that is definitely the podcast to do it on. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, And Evan, where can people find your work? Because we're all at new places now. Yeah, I write for the uh, Muscatine Journal here in in Iowa. And other than that, I mean, that's about it. Just follow at Triple OT. We'll try and podcast a little bit more often, I think, now that we've kind of got Google Hangout figured out. Mike's got a new Gmail. I've got Google Hang- Hangout download on my computer now. So we're, we're up to the 21st century here. Yeah, and, and of course, you can buy products from Mike wherever he's selling things now. Until he Yeah, it only it. took Mike like 20 minutes to figure out how to get on Google Hangout. So. If you've ever seen him like try and like, even in my when the show was in my apartment, this was an arduous, you know, two hour long process to get Mike hooked up on the mic. Mike and Mike. <laughs> I show them to you. All right, thanks for joining us. This has been Triple OT, and we will see you around. Shouts to Tricky Diesel. Oh. Good one, guys. Then f***ing Victor Oladipo got fouled on a three-pointer. The next <laughs> possession, and it was not. We need called. this rigged. <laughs>